Welcome to Freedom Thinkers, where we analyze current events and political topics to promote free thought on college campuses and throughout America. Today I'm here with Dean Farmer, and we are talking about the Democrats in 2020. Who can beat Trump? What are the key issues? And what is the overall strategy for the Democratic Party in 2020? I'm Parker Humphrey, here with my co-host Luke Johnson. Hello. And today we have our first guest on the show, Dean Farmer. Uh, he is a political science and economics major at the University of Kentucky. Uh, Dean, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of background of your uh, like political positions and uh, just general party leaning? Yeah, of course. So first of all, thank you both so much for uh, having me on the show. I'm really excited to talk about the issues here today. Uh, so I'm a center-left Democrat, which generally means that uh, I— certainly lean left and I typically support the Democratic Party, but uh, not to the extent where um, uh, I would be more likely, where I wouldn't vote Republican to that extent. Um, I definitely have both conservative and liberal viewpoints, but I tend to lean more on the liberal side. All right. Thanks, Dean. Uh, yeah, so today we just want to talk about generally the 2020 presidential race uh, because there's a lot of candidates on the Democratic side. And, oh, uh, yeah. We just want to talk about general strategy. Uh, so starting off, running against an incumbent president is extremely difficult. Uh, even one who is maybe not super popular, it can still be difficult. Uh, what weaknesses make Trump beatable? Well, I think, first of all, you have uh, you have the Twitter account. And I <laughs> think that's something we have to— we have to address. Um, maybe there's a chance that that's not as much of a weakness as I think or as much of a weakness as a lot of political insiders think because it seems as though uh, it worked fine for him in 2016. But I think there are a lot of times where even as a president, uh, I think he's dialed it down a little bit, but not to the extent that you would have expected. Um, you would have expected much more uh, traditionally presidential tweets and I think we've seen a lot fewer of those than most Americans would be accustomed to. Now, at the same time, uh, again, some of Trump's base likes that, that he's very politically incorrect. So I think you can look at that as both a strength in invigorating his base and a weakness in maybe alienating some of the uh, center population. Yeah, which Twitter feels a bit of a wild, like a bit of like a wild card because no president has used it to this extent and in this way ever before. So we it's kind of hard to figure out, okay, where this is going to go. Um, but yeah, I agree. His base is definitely not. His base is his base, and they're going to be with him all the way. Uh, but yeah, people like myself uh, or people who are a little more left than I am are going to definitely don't like the Twitter account, and uh, definitely that can sway their opinions a little bit. Yeah, I think it's interesting too. I mean, because we've seen something that's not really happened before in American history. Because, I mean, you know, the president will tweet out that he's firing someone on Twitter before he even tells the press, or sometimes even before he tells the person within the administration who's getting fired. So it's it's kind of a new territory for America, and some Americans like it. The freedom of the press, I don't know if the press likes it because he kind of goes around them, which they probably don't. But um, I think it's an interesting, interesting topic. Yeah, so... On the flip side of that, what makes Trump especially hard to beat? Well, I think uh, he's got a very invigorated base, which uh, is something that you can't overstate. You know, I think uh, Obama had that in both 2008 and 2012, where he had people who were going to vote for him literally no matter what. And I think Trump definitely has that, where there are people who Trump could uh, do whatever he wants for this next 
month or so, and they would still say it's better than whoever the Democrats are going to put up. And I think you do have that uh, to some extent on the left, but I think uh, Trump has definitely invigorated a certain base. I think another uh, strength of Trump to that extent is he's very good at um, separating himself from the opposing candidate. And what I mean by that is he doesn't necessarily, he never looks for commonalities. He never looks for uh, the idea that, hey, we're all Americans, we're all eventually looking for the same goal. He very much is on the attack and he is ready to fight. And uh, I think, like I said earlier, that can be looked at as a weakness where I think some people might be turned off by that a little bit. They might say, hey, that's a negative, that's not a great thing. But then I think a lot of people who are following Trump and who are considering voting either way might say, yeah, you know, this candidate doesn't represent me and this candidate is un-American and what the heck are they doing with my tax dollars, so on and so forth. And I think especially people who maybe uh, aren't co as confident coming in, that level of separation, that us versus them mentality, uh, it's something we haven't seen a lot previously in recent elections and it's something that as a Democrat, I'm not a huge fan of, but I recognize that it can be effective. Yeah, which is, like, if you look at the frontrunners, we'll get into this here in a minute, but, like, Biden is definitely someone who comes to mind as someone who could possibly get uh, the candidacy. Uh, but I don't see him holding up well against Trump's tactics of debate uh, because Trump is very quick. He's very aggressive, uh, which would make it hard for him to deal with that. Um, and, yeah, as you said, Trump is super aggressive. He, he <laughs> likes to say things that are kind of wild and out there and yes he definitely does not like to have anything in common with those he's debating against but dean like speaking of joe biden i think that's kind of what you said joe biden's more of the uniter type you know he's kind of i mean he's a likable guy i mean he's somebody i'd hang out with and just you know want to you know watch a game with or i mean that's much what people think is you know he's a nice guy he he's that type of old democrat that says i don't care what party you're part of you know we can we're working towards a more perfect union and we're working towards, you know, a better nation. But um, what do you think his strengths are or his weaknesses also? Well, Joe Biden, his biggest strength is that he appeals to a broader base than do a vast majority of Democrats. He is more of a candidate that a vast majority of Americans can say, yeah, I can get behind that because he's very much, you know, he has those connections to uh, the Obama presidency where obviously I'm a big fan of Barack Obama and I recognize that uh, you two uh, may not have the same opinions, but he is generally currently one of the most popular Democrats in the country. And I think that connection is huge. I think the fact that he is uh, center left and not quite as far left as many of his opponents is absolutely huge. His biggest weakness, though, and this is something I keep coming back to, and Parker, you alluded to this earlier, he makes mistakes a lot. He gaffes a lot. And I think that is something that Trump will definitely jump on. I think to beat Trump, you need a candidate who's not going to make those mistakes. And so it seems more credible when you jump on some of the more outlandish things Trump might say. Yeah, because you see, like, in Reagan's second uh, run for office, uh, for his second term, you saw him beautifully deal with age because there's a lot of concerns with like, oh, he's an old man. Will he be able to have the mental capacity to deal with the stresses of the presidency? And, you know, there's that famous line in the debate where he was like, I will not make age an issue in this campaign. Uh, I will not let my opponent's inexperience uh, 
become a, I will not use that to my advantage. Uh, and that was just, you know, of course, that was very Reagan type Reagan esque <laughs> line, just a little joke. Um, but yeah, you got to be very careful at Biden's age to make sure that you can clearly show that his age will not be an issue, uh, which unfortunately, with all the gaffes he's made, it's kind of concerning. Well, I mean, Trump's not very young either. You know, I mean, he's quite an old, yeah. old guy too. So, I mean, it's when you start attacking age, you know, um, that's just kind of back and forth, I think, too. Hey, the wig knocks off years and years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, I mean, I think you also see that with uh, Bernie Sanders, where I think he's made a lot fewer mental mistakes. He seems very mentally sharp. But physically, there are a lot of questions there where he's had a couple health issues. And, uh, you know, that worries me a little bit. I pray for the guy. I hope he's... Uh, he continues to have speedy recoveries with any and all health issues he may have. Um, but I think we've seen that quite a bit. Yeah, and it's hurt him on the campaign trail because both of them, I think, have had to slow their campaigning down a little mm -hmm. bit to uh, have room to recover and deal with the problems that come up uh, from health issues or, or mistakes that are made, uh, which is definitely hurting both of them. Yeah, so who else do you think are some of the front runners right now in the Democratic primary, and who do you predict – coming out of this with the nomination and you know it's now getting down to like around six months you know we're kind of getting into that next next 2020 season so i think the biggest front runner we haven't talked about who i think we definitely have to at least mention is elizabeth warren yeah uh she's actually currently my pick to win the nomination mm -hmm. um i think biden's gaffes will and for the record this is from a purely objective standpoint this is not necessarily me endorsing warren or not endorsing biden or vice versa but i think biden's gaffes and uh bernie's age will keep both of them from eventually exciting a wide enough base to receive that nomination and i think you've seen a lot of excitement from uh the far left and even some from the center left about warren she's a very good debater She's very intelligent. She has a lot of political experience, which is something that uh, Trump prior to the presidency definitely lacked. And uh, whether or not that's an advantage or a disadvantage in the general election, definitely in the Democratic primary, that's what a lot of people are looking for. Yeah, and she has everything. Like She has a lot that what people found in Bernie uh, for the last election, what they found very appealing about Bernie like healthcare and things like that, Warren has adapted, adopted those and kind of changed, adjusted some things uh, to allow her to appeal to that wider base. Well, and who would you want to win, though? Not who do you pick to win, but who would you want to win the nomination? Also, as a VP uh, pick, too. Well, Luke, uh, you can call me a dreamer or you can call me crazy <laughs> because I'm a Klobuchar guy. Really? Uh, yeah, I think her policies are impeccable. I think she's done a great job in Minnesota. Um, I think she is far left enough that uh, a lot of uh, Warren's and Bernie's base can get behind her, which is something I think Hillary Clinton struggled with in 2016. But she's also not so far left that uh, the Biden campaign couldn't eventually endorse her. Um, but I think if you do choose Klobuchar, and I think she is a little bit more center left, I think you would have to then um, choose a further left VP to help make sure that that's acceptable to the rest of the Democratic Party. And I think you could go with either Booker or Castro. 
I think they would both be fantastic VPs. I think with a little bit more uh, experience. Uh, Buttigieg is also my second pick, uh, and I think he would be a great VP as well. You don't want a AOC as a vice president. I think uh, with a little more experience, maybe. I, I don't think know if the um, country's quite ready for that. She's definitely new to the house, and she's definitely got a big base behind her. Um, which is something you can't discount. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know one of her big appeals is that she is very young and that uh, a lot of young people do really like her. But I would say, since, especially since she's just starting out in the House, I'd like to see what she can do in Congress a little bit. Yeah. And so going off that, AOC, of course, is what I would call a leader of kind of like the new left, like kind of this push left. Um, so do you feel like a lot of the Democratic platform has been pushed left, like Biden... I think Biden, like especially healthcare wise, has been kind of pushed more into like what I would call like socialist policies or at least social programs, larger government programs. Uh, do you see that for the Democratic Party as a whole or no? I would say no more than the Republican Party has been pushed right. Um, I think we've seen both parties uh, d- with the Democratic Party having a big socialist movement and the Republican Party having a big Tea Party movement. Um We've seen both parties uh, polarized, but I don't necessarily mean that means that uh, most Americans are being pushed left or pushed right. It just means that uh, maybe to win votes in the modern era, uh, you have to uh, go a little bit more extreme. But I will note that uh, throughout history, we've seen this kind of fluctuation where uh, one year a uh, far right or far left candidate, I mean, you look at... Uh, Reagan was very much far right, uh, very much a conservative's conservative. And uh, in the 80s, that was what our country said we needed, and he won by a landslide. Uh, Later on, you see uh, John McCain getting the nomination in 08, and he's very much a center-right Republican. So I think maybe temporarily there's going to be continuous fluctuations in both parties. And uh, eventually, I believe the democracy is going to play out. And whether uh, center left, far left, center right, far right is the correct policy decision to make, then I have faith in the American people that we will make that decision. Yeah, which is something that's interesting is because we only have elections every four years, uh, the political cycle moves a lot slower than like day to day life. So you get to see these new ideas kind of come up slowly and they'll kind of be around for a little bit and then die away. Uh, but yeah, it's going to take time, I think, to see where this goes for both parties. Yeah, and we also hear in the news, especially in the last decade or so, that our nation's really polarized and divided. What kind of leader do you think we need, or what does our nation need in order for us to be united again? Well, that's a tough question, because I don't think it can come from one individual leader. Uh, I think Barack Obama was a great unifier, where he talked about all Americans. There's that famous clip of him uh, at a rally where he was, a lot of his supporters were trying to shout down a uh, protester and he called them out. He said, hey, don't shout him down. Uh, First of all, he seems like a veteran and we need to respect our veterans. And even if he wasn't a veteran, we need to respect his political opinions. And I think we've, but I think we've seen a lot of those uh, leaders. I mean, I've mentioned uh, the late John McCain uh, quite a few times who uh, from the left, he's a Republican who I have an immense level of respect for. I think he was a great unifier. And I think we've seen, uh, we can't have the opportunity now to see a lot of different, uh, both Democrats and Republicans 
who have the opportunity to step into that role of uh, being a great unifier. Whether or not we see that or not, I don't know. I can't say. But I truly hope that we will. And I think it's going to require effort from both parties on both sides from multiple individuals. Because the opportunity is there. Because, like, I don't think American the American people are as, like, polarized as the part as the two party positions would make us believe and so i think there's definitely an opportunity so we'll see if anyone takes advantage of that in this coming election yeah well before we before we sign off um we're here in kentucky so election day is coming up in just six days november 5th is coming up what's your prediction um just real quick not only in the governor's race but also down the ballot for attorney general um you know that that's a important race as well. What's what's kind of your prediction and, and thoughts on what Kentucky voters will decide? Well, shoot, Luke. Uh, you've got We've got a one heck of a race going on here in Kentucky for really every position. Um, admittedly, I'm more involved with the governor's race than I have been with certain other races, so I don't know if on those other races uh, I'd be comfortable making a prediction at this time. Uh, but I definitely think you're going to see in those other races, I think you're not necessarily going to see a Democrat ballot or a Republican ballot uh, win out because I think a lot of those areas are just, we're going to see such a small voter turnout that uh, people will simply vote based on, uh, it's sad to say, but I think some people might just vote for whoever they think of at the time. You know, they might not do adequate research. Mm. Um, and I think that's going to be much less the case with the governor's ballot. Um, I'll go ahead and say, if you're out there listening, do your research and vote. Um, it's the most important thing we can do as a democracy. Whether you're right, left, whether you're Bevan or Bashir, uh, personally, I'm sure you can guess that I'm a Bashir, and uh, the two hosts of this show, I'm sure, are Bevan. Uh, but whatever side you're on, go out there and vote. Mm-hmm. Go out there and make your voice heard. As Amen. for predictions with the governor's race, wow, it's gonna be tight. That's all I can say. Um, yeah, yeah. That's all I can say. It's gonna be it's gonna be really close. And today, the Secretary of State Allison Grimes came out with her prediction that only around thirty one percent of Kentucky voters will actually come out and vote. So that's just a depressing number. I don't care what party you mm-hmm. are a part of that only 31% are willing to get out and take part in democracy because we hear people crying for change all the time but the most important change that you can have is the one at the ballot box yeah for sure Uh, and then finally to get your uh, prediction for the 2020 presidential race well so first of all I will say I think it is going to be a uh, Warren Trump campaign And uh, in that campaign, I will note that I will certainly support Elizabeth Warren. Uh, I think she is a stronger candidate. I agree with more of her policies. And uh, again, I'm sure the two of you will disagree with me on that. But um, I think ultimately uh, it'll be another four years for Donald Trump. And uh, I'm not happy to say that, certainly. I'm uh, not his biggest fan, uh, to say the least. But... I think uh, he's got a lot of advantages, like you said earlier, Parker, as an incumbent. Uh, I think he's, the Democrats have not done enough, focused on enough policies, done enough to win back the Rust Bells. Yep, fair enough. Well, Dean, thanks so much for uh, being on the show today. Really appreciate having you on. 
Thank you both so much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Freedom Thinkers. If you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, You can find more episodes of Freedom Thinkers on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. We appreciate your support. And until next time, this is Parker Humphrey on Freedom Thinkers Podcast.